Rick Madison and Scott Lanigan, chair of Central Okanagan Journey Home Society, delve into the problems surrounding Kelowna's homelessness issue and interview community stakeholders to discover possible solutions. Hi, this is Rick Madison, along with uh, Scott Lanigan, president of Journey Home Society. Pro uh, wow. Well, Central I Okanagan. A, I got a promotion. You did. You did. Yes. And we're here with uh, Darren Call, who's the Community Safety Director. And I wanted to um, welcome Darren by by reading off some of the background that, uh, you know, I, I think is eminently uh, Community wonderful. Community Safety Director for City of Kelowna. Is that Th thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Not Penticton. No, it's no, wanted to catch you. that. Uh, community Safety Director with Responsibility for City Staff Supporting RCMP, RCMP Contract Oversight, uh, Bylaw Services, and a range of initiatives to reduce crime and increase sense of safety in our community. Uh, Darren brings 30 years experience serving communities at municipal, provincial, and federal government levels, with the majority working with community organizations. Now, I, I mean, half of the podcast could go on and on, but I, one thing that uh, stood out for me is uh, Governor General's gold medal. You're a recipient. Tell, can, can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the Governor General's, uh, first of all, good morning uh, to Great both to you, you uh, Rick, Scott. Uh, pleasure to be here and thank you for having me. Uh, the Governor General's uh, gold medal is for academic excellence at, the, at a master's or PhD level. Interesting. Yeah, so I was fortunate recipient of that uh, when I finished my master's in 2010. Excellent. Well, I I do think, you know, having that background is obviously going to, and, and having a smart mind is probably going to help you with this role, which is actually quite complex. So what I wanted to do with, with today's talk is just talk a little bit about, uh, number one, how do you see your role as far as intersecting? We, you know, our podcast is about homelessness, but how do you see your role intersecting with uh, with this concern that we have about homelessness? So as a city, uh, a few years ago, the city through citizen surveys really uh, heard loud and clear about how critically important crime, community safety, and especially sense of safety is for people. They also heard loud and clear that it is, uh, that that sense of safety is directly tied to the issue of homelessness and, and what people see in our streets and in terms of uh, the symptoms of mental health and addictions. And so the city, uh, city council established uh, a, few, a few key uh, uh, priorities, uh, namely community safety, specifically decreasing crime and increasing sense of safety. And to action that uh, priority, they created my position. And uh, 18 months ago, I was very fortunate to, to land here in Kelowna, uh, returning to my home of British Columbia. So, um, so the city's role, among other, uh, is to convene organizations locally to grapple with uh, this incredibly complex and, and tricky portfolio. Uh, obviously, the city, the city is uh, has unwavering commitment and uh, strong backing of the Journey Home strategy, uh, and and lobbying and advocating and working with our provincial partners, Interior Health, BC Housing, Attorney General, and Public Safety Ministries, all of whom have responsibilities that overlay with this issue for mental health, addictions, uh, providing people with housing, and then the other side being. Um, uh, which has some relationship uh, as it relates to, again, crime and, and people's sense of safety. 
So it sounds to me, so a brand new role, which is uh, tricky at the best of times, <laughs> now you add on the complexity of, of homelessness, which is multi-layered, and, and there's a lot of different facets of the... And the so, Rona. Coronavirus, that is. Yes, oh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in in your eyes, what are some what are some things that you did? I mean, obviously, you've been in the in this role for 18 months. What are some things you've noticed just coming into the role that you had to address? Like those were, you talked about priorities. What were some priorities for you just stepping into this role? So uh, taking people back to 18 months ago, one of, the, uh, one of the very initial priorities, unfortunately for my portfolio, uh, related to the very rapid increase in people who were sheltering outdoors on Leon. I arrived in July uh, 2019, and we saw the number of people sheltering on, on Leon grow from sort of 10. Within four months, it was uh, over 110. Uh, and people will remember that site. You, how can you forget it, right? Of tent to tent to tent, and the weather was getting cold. And so working with my colleagues at City Hall, again, Journey Home, local uh, service providers, there was an immediate safety security health issue there that we had to attend to in terms of moving people to uh, a now designated overnight shelter location and so that um, uh, out of necessity and out of legal obligation by the city that uh, that's become an immediate priority in terms of how we manage our legal obligations uh, in respect of people who are sheltering outdoors but bigger than that um, we, uh, in my portfolio, working very closely with police and bylaw uh, to ensure that they're focused on the priorities of our citizens and as set by council, especially as it relates to sense of safety, um, contributing to the, the efforts to increase the number of police, increase the visibility and responsivity of police, ensuring that our police and bylaw services are taking a compassionate enforcement approach as they try to balance uh, this tricky issue and work with a very, very complex population. And we've also had involvement, uh, strong support of uh, the uh, John Howard Society and the efforts underway to create a com- uh, an integrated court in our community. And we'll undoubtedly talk a bit more about that because we're on the eve of that uh, being launched after years uh, of effort to get, the, the, to, uh, to get that up and going in our community. Darren, I, as I listen to you, I, I, I am assuming inherently in your role there's tension <laughs> just with reducing criminality and, and kind of elevating community safety and, and really trying to explore pathways to do that. And, and then as Rick highlighted your history and your, your CV, you know, I wonder how has that informed how you um, work today? Uh, you know, I heard you talk about compassion and a few of those things. And how how has that life, you know, not only education, uh, but your your life path informed what you do today? Yeah, it's um, uh, because I've had the opportunity to work extensively with victims of crime, uh, including victims of some of Canada's worst offenders. Um, throughout my career and extensively with communities. I worked a good chunk of my career with the National Crime Prevention Center, working with community organizations, working uh, with indigenous peoples um, and on and off reserve who are struggling with with sometimes low resources and really high needs. Mm -hmm. That has really informed um, how I approach, the lens with which I come to my work with. I don't just come with a, um, you know, lock them up attitude uh, by no stretch. 
my career has taught me um, uh, truly about the root causes of crime um, and the social and health connections with crime and criminality. And so with that, I come at it with a, a, a systems perspective. Um, and with understanding and compassion for the constraints and, and the trickiness, both for those in education systems, health systems, social systems, and those on the criminal justice system. And understanding those complexities and how those dis different systems interconnect really drives and informs how I approach this, this issue and how I do my work. So um, it's interesting, you just touched on something about, uh, and it was in a discussion I was in earlier today about the Portugal model. Um, where they're decriminalizing the uh, possession of, you know, some of the harder drugs like cocaine and heroin and, and the success of this model, which is, I think the province is actually looking at, at doing the same sort of thing. Um, any, any thoughts about, um, in your eyes, is that, is that the right pathway? Is that something we need to look at? It, it's absolutely something we need to look at. And I, and I have to say, as I say that, I, I don't know that 10 years ago, I, I couldn't imagine that I'd be saying that. Uh, Canadian Association of Chiefs of Police have come to a place and issued a position paper six months ago advocating for exactly that. This, this, um, and it's really tough uh, for, I think, a lot of people to really understand what that's about. Uh, but I think uh, underpinning it are a couple things. One, the, the, you know, the war on drugs hasn't, uh, which has been going on for decades, yeah. uh, simply hasn't worked. It's incredibly expensive. But I think more to the point, there's a, there's really growing understanding that criminalizing addictions is not the path forward. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the key takeaways I had with the discussion this morning was instead of treating them like criminals, treat them like patients. And that seemed to be that low barrier to, to getting help. And I think we have a long way to go with the wraparound services associated with that. But it seems to me like this is such, you know, I guess uh, an evolution. And I think, you know, with, uh, with marijuana being legalized, that was, I think for Canada, that was the first step towards this. Would you agree with that? Uh, I think it's, yes, I would agree. And I, and I think, Rick, what you just said is such an important point I want to pick up on. This notion of distinguishing between those who are sick and really require a health response and those who are criminal who really require a criminal justice response. And, if, and because no any time that we talk about crime, criminality, and when we talk about people who are experiencing homelessness, uh, this polarity comes out between those who are sick and those who are committing crime without the, the fulsome understanding that in fact, it's a continuum. And you have people to varying degrees of sickness that require uh, that are just entirely requiring a medical response and are in no way, shape, or form in, engaged in crime. And conversely, you have people who are not necessarily sick or just engaged in crime and absolutely need to be held account through the criminal justice system and a full continuum. Mm -hmm. And that point is what makes, I think, our conversations around crime mental health, addictions, and community safety really complex is because we fall into the trap of wanting to talk about it 
from either end of that, uh, either pol polar end of that continuum. And it really does a disservice uh, to the conversation and to those people who are experiencing homelessness. You know, and I, so, you know, I'm listening to this and, uh, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and maybe some are thinking, well, hey, Darren, it, is really less controls the thing you know it feels like things are out of control when 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 criminality or addictions it feels like those things are out of control and so i'm here and i'm a citizen in Kelowna, and i'm feeling uh, apprehensive when i hear those things or i feel you know fearful of 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 that what could become and um you know help me understand how i should have a perspective on this we, we, have, we have to be smarter with our solutions and we need to bring the right systems to bear for the right problems. That's the answer. It's not about less control. It's, a, it's about being more effective with what we do. Putting uh, sick people, putting, putting individuals who may be, for example, experiencing um, extensive trauma and addictions and, and fetal alcohol uh, disorder at the same time, uh, and who may be uh, repeatedly coming into conflict with the criminal justice system into jail and expecting that they're going to come out somehow with their health conditions somehow improved is, is absolutely, um, you know, it's fraught with, with problems. We need, we need those wraparound services. We need those uh, health and social uh, responses to those who have those health and social issues. Uh, we've, and that tr only when we do that are we going to be truly effective in addressing the, the underlying issues that are bringing people into conflict. And again, uh, don't get me wrong, for those who are uh, out there offending upon the population, we absolutely need to hold them accountable. Well, and that's, the, that's really the, the framework of community courts as well. Of, of it, it, and for those that don't understand what community courts it is, it, you know, in a nutshell, Loved it for you to unpack that. And I know I had the privilege of working with Teresa Arsenault early on in this task force, and she was just such an advocate for community courts and, and just seeing the power of what that can do for a community when you have, like you said, the complexities of both and here, and you're trying to uh, work them together and go, what makes the most sense? What's the right answer for this situation? What's the right answer for that situation? So just kind of a Coles notes on community court and why that's so valuable to Kelowna. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the integrated court, as they've now determined yeah. it will be, it will be called, um, provides a, a third way uh, for this for many of the people who are both uh, experiencing underlying health issues and who are concurrently um, en engaged in criminal activity. Right now, our circumstances, when you run into those people, the answer is either hospital or jail. And sometimes if the person is both uh, sick and criminal, uh, neither of those solutions are exactly the right one or necessarily available. So an integrated court um, is for those people who are engaged typically in lower level crimes, property crimes, which is a significant issue here in Kelowna, uh, but who are concurrently experiencing mental health, addictions and homelessness and or homelessness. Community court enables them to go to the court, or rather integrated court, enables them to go to the court where they're going to have that wraparound health-based case management approach as an alternative to a criminal justice sanction. And if you don't avail yourself, and if we're not successful on the, uh, on the health side, that criminal ju justice sanction uh, remains in play, can, can come into effect.
So, so it's, it's rehabilitation very focused. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Addressing the underlying causes that bring people into conflict with the system in the first place. So I had an incident, not an incident that happened to me, but I, I, I witnessed it on the corner of Bertram and, uh, and I guess it would have been Lawrence. A fellow had camped out in front of a business. Um, the downtown Kelowna red shirts came by and, and just, you know, I could see them conversing with this gentleman. And he, he started to get more verbal and, and louder and probably a little bit more abusive. And uh, as they started chatting with him, I, I, they handled it very well. They were just basically saying, you know, I understand. And, and you could see they were trying to placate the situation. And then he started picking up his stuff and moving along. And then within a moment, uh, a police cruiser came around and started talking to the gentleman. I, I left the situation. But is that where... I guess uh, a community court would come into play because obviously, you know, just based on his verbal barrage, he was having some sort of mental issues or addictions or, you know, who knows. But is that where a community court can come into play? The, the, uh, so first of all, uh, good shout out there for uh, the Downtown Kelowna Association and the work uh, of their doc team, the Downtown On-Call team. Uh, the red shirts, as you call them, they do fabulous work, uh, very relationship-based. They know all the people who are sheltering outdoors in, uh, within their catchment area, and they're, they're really effective in terms of working with that population. Integrated court, uh, the trigger for it is at the point that somebody is, is committing uh, criminal acts. So at the point that somebody is uh, committing theft or break and enter or uh, theft of bicycles or what have you, uh, that would be the trigger for them to then come before the integrated court and get that more health-oriented, more effective, smarter solution uh, comes into play then. That circumstance you're describing is when uh, uh, community outreach teams, be it from Canadian Mental Health Association, Interior Health, street level folks are, uh, are often very effective. They again know a lot of the individuals um, and can connect them with their caseworkers and to uh, try to restabilize the person if that's what's needed. Hmm. Okay. So it's all, this is, um, I'm learning a lot as we go along here and this is, this is the great part about this, this chat. The other thing I guess that I'm I'm trying to get closer to and, and uh, you know, we've had various guests on and are the people, and you mentioned these, these people on the streets have a very good awareness of, you know, of, of different resources and, and key stakeholders and that kind of thing. But are these people from Kelowna? And I, I'm not sure if we have... And you're talking the homeless, those that you're the homeless, seeing, yeah, sector, and, and yeah. Are they, are they from Kelowna? Like, and, and the reason I ask that is... Uh, we were chatting with Ron Matusi, ex-city manager, and he said, you know, he wasn't sure that is it's a burden on Kelowna taxpayers and if it's, you know, a local, provincial, or a federal issue because of our climate. And, you know, we live in a beautiful place. And if, if, if this is something that is more a federal issue that we should be addressing. So can you kind of speak to, I guess, who these, and that might be a question for you too, Scott, from the journey home side of things. So Scott, I don't, I don't know if, what your data presents in terms of where people are from. Uh, so I'll, I'll take a run at it and then I'll ask your, uh, your government question. Uh, and the answer is yes and no. 
Absolutely, we have people uh, that are from Kelowna or born and raised in Kelowna whose economic circumstances and or uh, mental health addictions uh, have landed them, Kelowna residents, unfortunately living on our streets. And yes, uh, there are people who f are from elsewhere. Um, and you're absolutely right, uh, Kelowna is such, we are so, so lucky to live here in Kelowna. And having moved from Alberta for the last 20 years and lived through 20 winters, uh, you bet, if I had my option of Edmonton, Calgary, or here in the middle of January, I'd take Cologne in a heartbeat. Who wouldn't? Uh, but, but, but equally is true when I chat with my colleagues in Vernon and Penticton and elsewhere, they'll say that they have people who are uh, re residents of Kelowna who are unfortunately uh, sheltering on their streets. And so, uh, so you know, there's a, there's a mixture. In terms of whose responsibility, uh, uh, it's a great question. Uh, certainly federally, after decades of changes as it relates to housing uh, and, and uh, funding for, uh, for housing and affordable housing and so forth, um, we're experiencing the symptoms of that now. Uh, provincially, again, provincial government has the mandates as it relates to mental health, addictions, uh, and housing. And we, the city, work very, very closely with all of our partners at the provincial government. Uh, and, and we have uh, BC Housing has been very responsive uh, through Journey Home. And that's why I think in part Journey Home has been able to so rapidly meet that milestone of 300 housed in yeah. such a short time. Uh, and local government and police are for whatever, to the extent that those systems are unable to get the job fully done, what's left and the symptoms of what's left in our community are unfortunately left to local government and, and police to grapple with at three o'clock in the morning. You know, I think in Darren's role, as well as the backbone uh, framework of Journey Home, uh, you know, both of those roles are designed to uh, fulfill what we're hoping to have in, in Kelowna is that uh, systems approach to reducing homelessness uh, ultimately resulting in functional zero. That's really what we're trying to do. When the system's in place, I think it's a misnomer that all of a sudden, you know, a bunch of those that are a part of the homeless sector in Ontario and Manitoba go, hey, let's pack a bus and head out to Kelowna. That, you know, I think that's not necessarily uh, real. We, I, I don't. we found no evidence yeah, of that. Yeah. I, I've heard that repeatedly since I got here. And in fact, we did a survey in my first few months of all those who were living on Leon because I kept hearing, oh, they're being put on a bus and the police in this place are, there's, it's myth, urban yeah, myth. Yeah, and, and it continues to be. I, that said, like Albertans come and visit here in the summer, like other people come and holiday here, you have an influx of individuals up and down who aren't permanent residents of Kelowna or, uh, or the West Kelowna that, that come here. That said, um, there's, you know, when the system's in place, I do believe that if somebody does come here, once we have that that process uh, moving, the whole point is to help them become housed. The whole point is to help them become uh, in in a situation we can wrap around the supports to to facilitate if they're struggling with addictions or they're struggling with mental health. And that's the whole point of this strategy so that no matter if, if there's an influx, we have the capacity to help facilitate uh, the, the rehabilitation or the opportunity for somebody to step into that. Uh, on top of that, as, as Steph mentioned last week, uh, we have a, you know, 
one of the, the great efforts in our community has been the by names list, which is, which is gathering that data of individuals by name through all the different agencies, uh, you know, Interior Health, BC Housing, all those things. And that's a difficult process with confidentiality and privacy and those type of things. And so that the intent of that is to have names of individuals who are in our community that now we can better respond to. So you think of the guy you ran in, the illustration you used just before downtown Kelowna and uh, from our um, our courts, our integrated courts, uh, et cetera. Uh, the hope is we will have the capacity to know our people, know who's in our community and be able to service them in a great way. So if somebody new comes uh, and, and, you know, what used to happen is they would go to one agency, let's say Darren's part of an agency that deals with the homeless sector and they go there and then they come to me and I'm part of the homeless sector and another one, they could go to all of us at different points and we wouldn't necessarily know we're dealing with the same person. Whereas that list helps us then quantify, oh, it's the same person, and now we can go. Hey, uh, we know you went there and here. Why don't you, you can stick with Darren's, uh, uh, you know, organization, and they'll help you through that flow through or whatever. Like that's the whole point of by name. So I think, again, uh, that's the intention uh, to get us to a place where we can uh, speak to those that that call Kelowna home and and help them recover in the best way possible. And then if there's a Others that come in, we'll welcome that that to well because we want we think of everybody with intrinsic value. We think of each individual that we want to help them move along the way, and 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 at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think G mentioned that a couple podcasts ago, Rick, which is there's a difference between a house and a home, and and most people want to be home, and and a lot of times that's home in their own community where they came from, home where they have friends, and and to me. I think they may go and be housed somewhere temporarily, but ultimately everyone just wants to get home. Good points, good points. And you mentioned Steph, so that's Stephanie Ball, uh, yes. Executive Director of the Central Okanagan Journey Home. Society. Society. Every time, I'm so proud of you, Rick. Like Initiative, you get strategy, it. it's it's a whole bunch it's of all things. all this so, mishmash, right? <laughs> um, so what I want to do is, is there's just a couple of last points I want to touch on before we, we end today. But um, one of the things that, that uh, you and I had a previous conversation, and and one thing that struck me was, I think you articulated very well why homelessness and why you this role was created was so integral, and and you said, you know, and I don't want to steal any thunder here, but you think homelessness is one of the the largest, most complex issues probably facing our our society today. Absolutely. The compl- this is impacting communities across the world, across North America. Uh, health, social, uh, enforcement agencies, all orders of government, local governments particularly are struggling with this issue and trying to balance. It, it's so tricky because there's, it, the issues are so compelling. Uh, they're, they're so impactful and you have very legitimate and, and, and legal rights and needs uh, that are in competition. Uh, I do believe that this is one of the, the trickiest, most complex issues of, of, of our generation. I've, I've worked in and around uh, criminal justice crime prevention for 30 years. And um, the issue of homelessness concurrent with mental health, addictions, the opioid crisis, throw on top of it the COVID crisis, my goodness. Uh, and then the economics of policing and and looking um, over relying on police as the as the institution to address this issue is is misguided. Yeah.
you know, I, I think we actually did talk about this a while ago too, of the metaphor for me is, is, you know, we're thinking of this uh, COVID pandemic and how it's, it's impacted every single individual in every single country. Well, to me, that's homelessness, except it's been going for hundreds of years. And, and to me, there's so many, you know, what works in one community doesn't work in another community. What uh, the opinions on, you know, you, you use COVID, mass or no mass, you use opinions on vaccine or no vaccine. Think of that in the context of homelessness and the complexities there and how you're supposed to approach uh, the solution and how it impacts so many different agencies. It, it really is a pandemic. And I, I couldn't agree more with Darren of that. And it's not, a, it's not a, as, as with coronavirus, there's not necessarily simple steps forward all the time to get there. And you have factors that keep rising up and changing the narrative and then you have to try and respond to that in real time you know people often uh you know i think sometimes homelessness is trying to build the airplane while you're in the air you know like sometimes like it's happening real time you know and so you're like oh well and we have to adapt and adjust and and that is the the difficulty with with resolving this and I do believe, and I'm so proud of our community from, from City Hall to uh, uh, Interior Health, BC Housing, and Journey Home, and all our partners throughout the housing sector and the homeless sector, that there really is a concentrated effort to go, okay, we get all that, and, and we want to try. And we, and we want to put our yeah. best foot forward to, to, to broaching each of those complexities, realizing that we're not going to have perfect solutions, but we're going to have solutions that make sense because we all have the same intention. And, and that's what I think I, I, before any time uh, previous in Kelowna, I've seen that. And it's, it's like the hiring of this role that Darren stepped into. It did not exist before, but it was seen as this is integral. To, to the functioning of so many different avenues of coming together and going, okay, we need this. We need his expertise, his intelligence, his compassion to be able to facilitate uh, the solutions uh, to ending uh, homelessness in our community. And, and before me, uh, a shout out for my colleague, Sue Wheeler. Absolutely. Uh, City hired Sue Wheeler as our social development manager and, and uh, she too brings great experience. And, and one of the things that I've noticed uh, here in Kelowna after again living in uh, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Victoria before that is, um, is, is how willing and open and relational the continuum of essential partners are yeah. from the you know, education, health, journey home, city hall, police, bylaw. Um, it, it's, it's one of the great assets of our community is you're not trying to corral a hundred different organizations. Uh, it really, uh, sometimes one of our challenges is we don't have that many organizations doing the essential work that we need, i.e. Uh, staff for shelters, for example. The upside to that is we're not corralling a hundred people. There's probably, you know, there are probably 20, 30 people that are absolutely critical to this work and who have those relationships and work really well together across that continuum. That's great. I don't know if you noticed, uh, Rick, when Darren is listing off the places he's been to previously, he mentioned Edmonton before Calgary. And I just, you know, I don't know, Darren may not have picked up on that. I picked up on it. And, That's and only because that I... was the last place that I was at. <laughs> but the first you mentioned prior to Calgary, which I thought was just worth noting as some of us cheer for teams from yeah, Edmonton and others from Calgary. Yeah, if you want to get into that, don't, don't loop me into that one. <laughs> City of Chumps. Anyway, um, so uh, one last question before you go in. Thank you again for spending the time today. It's been invaluable for educating myself and, well, Scott, who knows. But um, but I, I do, th the one last question is, with such a, a complex issue, and as you said, you know, there's there's so many different agencies and, and uh, there's so, so much going on with it, what 
you know, what are the wins? Like <laughs> when you walk into your office, do you see wins? Like, are, do you do you come away going, I, you know, I, I moved the needle today? Like, is there anything that you gravitate towards as far as a metric that you go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm moving it in the right direction? Yeah, I won't take credit for Integrated Court, though I had a small role in that, but Integrated Court is a win. Yeah. Uh, Journey Home is a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that 300 more people are, are housed uh, now from, is it, Scott, three years ago? Yeah. That's yeah. a win. These are all wins um, at a more operational level uh, when there's a particular individual like the, the example you gave uh, who may be causing a lot of, a lot of grief uh, for businesses and tourists. And um, we're able to lean in on that and, and get that person the support and services that they need in, and concurrently then uh, they're no longer causing grief uh, for the businesses. Uh, that's a win. Uh, when I drive down uh, Leon, and see far, far fewer people. I'd like to see none uh, who are sheltering in our downtown or needing to shelter anywhere in our city. Um, but that's that's definitely a win as well from that low point uh, in November of 2019 on 200 Block Leon. These are all wins, uh, but we have a long way to go. And uh, we have the right people, we have the expertise, we have the knowledge and the passion. Uh, there's never enough money. Uh, and and getting the different you know provincial federal local government systems to row in the same direction is is also tricky work. So it's great, and I like, and I'm even proud. You, uh, and I know uh, police is close to your heart as well, Darren. And yeah. you know, I'm even so uh, proud of our own local uh, RCMP who you know they have an integrated approach to responding to mental health as well with the registered psychiatric nurse and 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 RCMP officer traveling out together. And even that type of creative approach is, is so, you know, not every community has that, and we do. And so it's, that's even one of those areas. And so and I think we have uh, a, a local detachment here that is game to participate at a deep level in our community. And, and frankly, I don't think you get that everywhere. And so I, I couldn't be more excited about that as well. Those, those, those attitudes are so primal to, to, to resolving these these um, situations we face on a daily basis. And, and on that note, I have to absolutely uh, echo your remarks, Scott. We are very fortunate to have Superintendent Triance. She's in the, in the thick right now of, of rebuilding her senior management team. The RCMP, uh, who I work very, very closely with on a daily basis, are absolutely fantastic. They are on the front lines doing incredibly tricky work as we expect them to be street corner psychiatrists and manage medical, uh, predominantly uh, health and addictions related issues at three o'clock in the morning. They're operating with one hand tied behind their back with a high uh, file uh, caseload. Uh, and it's wearing on them. Uh, and so, uh, but they get up every day and they go out and do it. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm really appreciative. Uh, they don't get nearly enough recognition for the good work they do. And, and just a little anecdotal story, actually. Um, uh, the previous superintendent was Brent Mundell. And uh, we, we worked a lot as in the initial stages of Journey Home. And um, uh, as, as we got to know each other a bit deeper, he knew I was going over to Bolivia. And uh, 
One of the, the organization I work with partners with uh, the Bolivian police force in El Alto and La Paz. And one of the things they do is work with victims of uh, human trafficking and, and commercial exploitation of women. And, and so we were working with this uh, group in Bolivia and the resource they have is nothing, basically. They have zero. Like we were, we were literally helping sponsor them the purchase of paper just so they could have actually paper in the police force there in Bolivia. But knowing this, on his own volition, he came after hours, Brent, showed up on my doorstep and, and said, hey, we know the RCMP has a, has a global uh, uh, you know, uh, perspective. And, and, and not only that, there's a, a respect that goes across the globe as well. And so he gave me a bag of pins and badges and, and just little things to say, hey, would you just go give this to the Bolivian police force? And so when I traveled over there a few weeks later and I passed it out, they, their jaws were on the floor and they were so grateful. I'm like, that little thing. And that was just the heart that I see in our community. And it's those little touches that that'll go farther than anything you could possibly imagine. So I, I celebrate that. It's a great thing. Brent's fabulous. Retired yeah. a few weeks ago. Yeah. I had the opportunity to work with him and congratulations uh, to Brent Mundell. Uh, and, and we'd be remiss as we list off all these great organizations not to talk about the uh, Child Advocacy Center. Yes. Uh, that just opened up uh, 15 months ago. When we want to talk about long, as much as my portfolio is focused on the immediate and the short-term solutions, uh, while Journey Home and others are looking longer term, the Child Advocacy Center, uh, you should have them on. Yeah. Uh, because they, if we do a better job of managing traumas when they occur for children, we are in a much better position to reduce the mental health, addictions, and homelessness in 10, 20 years from now. They're doing critically important work uh, that really needs to be highlighted more. Good idea. In I'm gonna fact. reach out to Ginny. I know her, yeah. she's the executive director. And so Ginny, if you're listening, yes. giddy up <laughs> sister, let's go. Okay, uh, gotta close off. And we, we could honestly talk to you all day. This Are is great. This is great. I, uh, I, Rick, I, do, I, know, I don't wanna extend this. I do have one thing. I promised last time, remember we mentioned Us and Them, the, the documentary? Yes. And we said, hey, do we have any information about that? And I wanted to, to actually fulfill that obligation. You did some homework, good. Did some homework. So uh, we're looking actually at hosting another screening here in Kelowna. I, actually, I was talking with Steph and going, man, we had a lot of people ask about that. And we did that twice and had great feedback. But you can, so if anybody wants a practical next step just to get a litmus test on what it's like in, in, in this, again, a reminder documented out of folks in East Vancouver, followed by uh, Krista Loughton, who's the director. Uh, but you can go to usandthemfilm.ca, usandthemthefilm, sorry, usandthemthefilm.ca. And there you can actually uh, rent it for 10 bucks and you can watch it on demand. And uh, it's a great documentary. There's a trailer there just to see if you're interested. But so it's usandthemthefilm.ca. And I, that's a great first step for somebody who's just really kind of wants to jump in the deep end. Great. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, Scott Lanigan and Darren Call, thank you so much for spending time with us today. It was, like I said, just uh, a great wealth of experience. Good luck. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks very much for having me, and uh, and good work to you too for uh, taking all the time to unravel, unpack all the complexities of this issue. Uh, moving beyond the sound bites is important for this conversation. Awareness, great. Thanks, thanks, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening in on the Homeless in Kelowna podcast. If you have feedback, reach out to us via email, rick at tempestmedia.net.